Welcome to the LBM Journal Sales Podcast, hosted by Rick Davis, the premier sales trainer and consultant in the construction supply industry. In each episode, Rick and guests explore what it takes to genuinely succeed, not just in sales and business, but in life. Today, I am with one of the icons of the construction products industry, Ms. Ruth Kellig Grubbs. And I once called her the notorious RKG, and she wasn't sure where I was going with that, but let's call her that. She's special. She is a leading consultant to our industry on business practices. And Ruth, I am so grateful you took the time to be here today. Thank you for that. Really happy to be here. Thank you. So let's begin. I want to talk with you today uh, about the discipline of business. Uh, that's what you work with your clients on. That's what your expertise has been in for many years. Uh, I noticed that you and I have each owned our own business for about 20 years. But uh, prior to that, we always got to get some groundwork and a start. Uh, what's your background? Tell us a little bit about your your startup in this, in this crazy business world. <laughs> Well, since I wasn't fortunate enough to grow up in a family business in the industry, I was lucky enough to fall into it. My background was international business development and, um, you know, through a series of just kind of um, by chance circumstances, I found myself in Greenville, South Carolina and um, took a temporary position with Builder March of America. And they had just gone to Mexico, needed help with their entry there and, um, it was my introduction to the industry and to a privately held company. And I loved both and I've been here ever since. Yeah. And that's no dig on anybody who was born into the business. It's just, there's only two ways you get in this, right? And and once you're in, you never get out, right? Not at all a dig. I mean, this is a great industry and it's, it's a shame. You know, I think most people I know right now have open positions and it's hard to recruit people because our, um, we don't, you know, if you're not in the business, I don't know that you think about it. And it's such a great industry, and there's so much opportunity. It's at all a dig. This is a great place to be, and I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, you've been uh, international a lot too. Is that correct? Where have you, where have you traveled to and, and worked and all that? Um, I've traveled as many places as I can get to, but um, I've lived and worked in um, Mexico, Germany, Ireland, Spain, and Japan. Of course, our industry is quite global, and um, the international component is still a big part of the business today. We've got clients um, scattered around the globe, and it's a part of the, the work that I enjoy as well. What are some of the differences you're seeing in other parts of the globe that you think the people here in the States should be aware of? Definitely looking at Europe in particular and the adoption of off-site construction and the technology that drives that. I think that's worth noting. We're obviously seeing um, more inroads with offsite construction or modular and that whole world of, of work that looks a little bit different than our traditional. And there's so much resistance to it here. You know, it's different. It looks different. There's been a lot of stops and starts with that over the years. And the perception of quality, I think, is um, a little bit of an uphill challenge to it. I think quality was not that great before, but I think now it's quite good. Mm-hmm. And when we look at, at that type of technology and um, systems building being deployed, not only in Europe and, and actually in most other parts of the world except the United States, um, I think that there's 
more legs to that than a lot of our industry likes to think about or um, believes that could be. So that's one of the big things that always strikes me looking around the world and, you know, what's different and what's happening. I think that's so funny. Why would you build something inside a controlled factory environment when you can do it outside in the mud and rain on uneven ground, right? Because <laughs> that's our, how we've always done it. That's how we've always yeah. done it. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, I, I, people are important to the process. And I, I know uh, for those listening, Ruth is an equestrian. Uh, she has uh, been that for most of her life, and she just loves being around horses. And I ask you, Ruth, what's, what is the difference between training and working with horses and human beings? Horses are very straightforward. Their hierarchy of needs are very simple. And so, um, you know, there's no short circuits, right? You can't take any shortcuts just like you can't in any relationship. But um, it's a little bit more straightforward, I think, with horses than sometimes with people. Yeah. I, uh, one of my favorite quotes is uh, from Mark Twain, man is the only animal that blushes or needs to. And I think that there's a, that's always a challenge. You've got to get through the human ego to get people to change. And I, I imagine that's quite a challenge when you're trying to institute standardized practices and people resist that a lot is, is my guess. Is that a fair statement? It is. <clears throat> that makes me think of um, one of my favorite quotes is Albert Einstein. He says, any fool can make things bigger, more complex, and more violent, but it takes a touch of genius and a lot of courage to move in the opposite direction. You know, there's so much power in making things simple and in um, keeping things really clean and easy. And I like to focus on that when I'm working with clients because easy gets done. And at the end of the day, it's about execution. And so, you know, taking complex complex things and making them um, streamlined, simple, easy to replicate, doing a day out. That's the hard work. Give us an example of that. If you can think of one. Gosh, there's so many. So it could be the receiving process in a lumber yard. It could be um, just simply how we order today. Oh, here's a good one. Um, A special order comes into a dealer And when that gets received, a notification is typically sent to an outside salesman. The outside salesman might contact the customer or an inside support person might contact the customer and then say, you know, it's here. Give us a shout when you want to schedule it for delivery. Then the customer will call the salesperson back. And then the salesperson contacts dispatch to say, can we make this happen? And then we call back and confirm with the customer. So, pretty convoluted process so if we get the special order and we receive it can we not just have our our dispatch or shipping office logistics managers directly contact the customer or even better yet have an automated email that goes out and says your special order is here contact us to schedule delivery there's a lot of things that we can we've been made really complex that we can make a lot more um simple practical easy and able to execute at a much higher level consistently. DMSI provides a complete line of business software and mobile apps for LBM dealers. Their agility ERP system manages every stage of order fulfillment from online sales and accounting to inventory control and delivery. 
DMSI's Building Results CRM is designed specifically for the construction products industry. It helps sales teams grow their pipelines and achieve predictable future results. DMSI is an independent, family-owned company known for strong customer partnerships and unparalleled service. Visit DMSI.com to learn more. Uh, when we spoke in preparation for this, we talked about, the, the, I don't know if you used the word right, I think you did the discipline of business, you know, what, what the mm-hmm. disciplines are. When you start with a client, what do you look for? How do you approach that to figure out where you're at and how you're going to create that simplicity you're talking about? Of course, it'll depend on what our, our objective, our focus, or why they've called us in, but, you know, just observing how they work today. And there's, there's a tremendous amount of the work in our industry is um, informal, but systematic, kind of like that, that special order receipt process. I don't know that anybody's got anything written out that says this is what you do. Some people do, um, but a lot of people work this way because that's what they've been taught. And we've kind of institutionalized these things. So when we go start work with a client on a project, um, you know, it's just, it's a lot about listening, learning, and observing where they're at. And then, you know, being able to identify how do we get started on moving from A to B. And, um, you know, you can't, you can't answer that question if you don't understand where they're at first. You think about the companies you just love working with. And once you've had these long-term relationships with what do you feel are the attributes about them that enable them to just outperform and outshine the rest? They care. Like their hearts are so big and in the right places. And they're, they care so much about their teams, their customers, their vendors. Um, they're humble. And they're really focused on, you know, how can we help? Mm-hmm. And, and how easy for everyone to help. Yeah. What do you think they're doing to engage their employees better? Listening. It's such a simple thing. And in our busy world, it's a tremendously difficult thing to make space for. But when we try to talk about improving, improving a customer experience, improving an employee experience, improving profitable performance, you know, we've got to look at what we're doing and say, what would, what would be better? You know, does it add value, doesn't it? What makes it easier for the customer and easier for us? And and when we ask those questions, we have to listen to the people that are doing the work because they've got the best ideas on how to make improvements. You know, they're fundamental tenets of lean, but it's just fundamental tenets of just being a good person, right? You know, if we want to make an improvement, I need to engage the people that are involved in doing this activity with me and, and truly listen to what they have to say. And when people are so busy, and Lord knows this year has been drinking from a fire hose, <laughs> it's hard to make time to stop and truly listen to what people are saying. And and in order to do that, it's great to preface it with a couple of thoughtful questions. And they're not complicated questions, but they're important questions. You know, what would make this better for our customer? What would make it easier for them? What would make it easier for us? What's that look like? And then listening to the answers and then, you know, taking it from there. Wonderful. 
I, I just spoke with a gentleman. His name is Steve Yates. He's the president of Buildings Act. And he said something really profound yesterday. I loved it. I always talk about giving your website the we, we test. How many times you say we are, we promise, we have great service, we have great people versus what you're delivering to your customers. And he said, if I could have a dollar for every LBM dealer that promised to do great things for their customers, I'd be a very rich man. And then if I had another dollar for all that actually failed in that, I'd even be richer. And I kind of like that. And and as you're talking about this, I don't think most people think of uh, operational excellence. I don't think they think of that as a customer experience issue. But how do you how do you make that link? Because I, I just love that. I don't think most, not everybody in operations thinks that way. They think about smoothing out the operations, but they don't have the customer in mind. And how do you draw that link? And how'd you come to that? That's beautiful. Well, it's pretty simple. Back to the hierarchy of needs, right? We need to get paid and we get paid for providing customer value. So what's a customer willing to pay us for? I think, you know, at the very basic level, that's the link. You know, what do we do that a customer is willing to pay us for? And then when we, we look at the business from the customer perspective, what's most important? For professional customers, whether it's, you know, big builder, custom residential, or a remodeler, you know, market data research has been consistent for nearly 30 years. The most important things on time and in full, you know, do what you said, when and how you said you'd do it, be reliable. And so we talk about, you know, discipline and and excellence. It's really kind of the nuts and bolts, the block and tackle. And if you can be more reliable than the other providers in your market, you're going to be able to drive a competitive advantage and a competitive advantage drives above average profitability. So the link is always what's valuable to the customer and how do I do that better than anybody else? How do you figure out how to draw the link so that everything, Untime and Full is one measurement, OTIF, which for those of you Mm -hmm. that uh, are listening on this, I I just feel that um, it, it was not invented by Ruth, but I think she's really brought this to an industry and shifted a mindset of an industry. And I congratulate you for that, Ruth. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. That's the one singular measurement. You're welcome. You deserve it. How do we go about measuring that through the process? How do you work on that and make that happen? What have you learned over the years? Well, it's an interesting thing. And that's a great question because it's um, deceptively simple and a little bit harder to execute. We just have to start by collecting data. And this industry is so good and they're so close to the customer and the market and so much of the business runs on gut feel and because they've got such um, close knowledge, it's really good. And so there's a little bit of a, a mindset shift sometimes to support the gut feel with some data. And then uh, sometimes there's a, a little bit of um, an adjustment period and actually trusting the data because it might be a little bit different than we think. You know, when I talk with OTIF, um, with customers about OTIF and really anybody in the industry, the most common response or reaction is, well, yeah, we're really good at that. We have to measure it. And they're right. They are really good at it. But if they want to be the best in the market and if they want to drive a competitive advantage, they have to measure it. And what happens when we can start collecting the data? So really collecting the data is step one and, and just a baseline or baseline, you know, where we are. And then we can start digging into why we have the performance we do. 
So a lot of people will track it and they kind of use it as a marketing tool, which, you know, that's great. But I feel like if you're knocking it out of the park on OTIF, you really don't need to say anything. Your customers are going to feel it. Um, and maybe there's more power in that than, than kind of shouting it from the rooftops. But in any event, collecting the data and then, and then looking at why we have it. And so people will collect the data, but not collect the reason codes for why we've, we've failed on a delivery, why it wasn't on time or in full. So one is we got to collect the data, but probably the most important thing is helping everybody understand that this is not a distribution metric or an operations metric. It's a whole company metric. Yeah. If we're really going to perform at high levels with on time and in full, everything has to be right. We've taken the order correctly. We've communicated with vendors. We've coordinated special order timeline. We've received it. We've, we've stored it, we've handled it, we've pulled it, we've shipped it, we've taken it to the right spot in the job site, we've invoiced it correctly. Everything has to be right. So it's a company metric. So that's the starting point. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm a sales guy, obviously, and I'm big on this too, and I've got my own ideas, but let's hear from you. What are your, how do we bring the sales team into this so they become a part of it? Well, how many times do people say nothing happens until, until we make a sale? Right. So uh, salespeople are in on it um, at day one and it's a company metric. So we're all going to be on it, but understanding and um, you know, from a sales team that making a commitment we can't fulfill is just not good business. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm not going to give this trade secret, but I know you and I both share a client that we love dearly and that's Hancock Lumber. And we've had Kevin Hancock on this podcast. And one of the things they do is regularly deliver a report card to their customer. And the beautiful thing is, is instead of a customer and the supplier feeling like there is this combative uh, relationship going on, they've created this mutually beneficial communication structure where the enhancement to the operations and the on time and full from the supplier becomes part of the culture for the client. And I think that's a beautiful thing. How do you do that, Ruth? How do you how do you get leaders, managers, executives to observe and know without just being uh, dictatorial and talking at people, but to really engage? How do you help your clients spot the opportunities for the improvement and the, the not just statistics, but the shift in behaviors? How do you do that? Mm-hmm. With OTIF, it's clear because we're collecting data and, and we look at, you know, so Let's say we're going to look at it on a monthly basis in terms of, I mean, everybody's managing this on a daily basis, but on a monthly basis, we might be looking at the reason code data. So what's been the biggest driver of failures for OTIF in the last month? And we look at that by location um, for multi-unit facilities or companies. And so that's that's pretty easy to, you know, to um, get buy-in around. You know, the data is the data and we've collected it and it's showing that, um, you know what, this month it was operations driven. We had a check breakdown. We had people quarantined. We were running really short staffed. So we were late on a lot of things just because we didn't have enough people to get the job done. We understand that. We can, you know, try to mitigate it with some things. The more typical things that we see outside of a pandemic year would be, um, you know, it could be a sales error. Like you said, we didn't have complete information or we had wrong information. And sometimes that's from the customer. But but if that's the case, then we put in a 
process, how do we make sure that we capture complete information up front so that we're not wasting valuable time down the road? And so if that's something we put in with our system, we create a mobile ordering app for our salespeople so that they can save some time and do it in the moment and be complete and thorough. So the data drives it on that. But when we talk about getting buy-in and, and how do we fix things, you know, it's back to the question and listening. You know, what's getting in the way? And the answers to that question will create a lot of buy-in because people say, you know, this batch will, will always tell salespeople, you know, I don't have the right information. I don't have the right delivery date. Or, you know, it says Tuesday, but December um, 16, but Tuesday the 15th and, you know, all these little things. Um, so we can, we can fix those things and people are always interested in making their lives easier. So it's what's important to them. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the stake in the ground is customer value. So we can't do everything at once. We're going to pick our spots and how do we impact things that'll drive customer value and employee value. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. The gospel, according to Ruth Kelly Grubbs. Uh, Ruth, I am so grateful for you taking the time today. You are truly a rock star for our business. Um, for those of you that don't know Ruth, you should just uh, look up um, Kellick and Associates. That's K-E-L-L-I-C-K and Associates.com. Uh, she is the person and the organization that can help your company transform. Ruth, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks so much. I sure hope you're enjoying the content that we deliver in these LBM Journal podcasts. If you're liking them, then you'll like more information you can get at my online learning platform, Building Leaders 24-7, the sales learning platform exclusively designed for the construction products industry. There, you will find content for every member of your organization, how to build a better customer experience, how to communicate better with your internal customers and teammates. You'll see courses on selling effectively to builders and architects and the various audiences of our industry. Ultimately, it is a website and a platform that helps you increase the profitability for your company. And if you are an executive or a manager for that company, you will have the ability to assign courses and track progress of your members. So for more information on the state-of-the-art sales learning platform for our industry today, visit buildingleaders.com or just email me, Rick Davis, at buildingleaders.com. We're here to help and drive you to fearless sales leadership.